3cr.org.au. This is Marissa and Peter as well, wherever he is. I think he's making, he's getting some tech stuff organised. And we'll be taking you through until five o'clock this evening. And there are quite a number of refugees in here, enough for a party. But <laughs> it's always good to laugh. Um, but before we actually um, get organised here, I wanted to just introduce the topics that we're going to be talking about. So first up on the show... We're going to be introducing um, everybody in the studio and then we will be speaking with Anthony Kelly from Flemington Kensington Community Legal Centre, the Chief Executive Officer, although he may he will appear, I think, as, as the role of um, activist legal support. And there's been some police brutality um, where some protesters were beaten by, co by cops and it was an anti-mining um, anti protest. And so we're going to be speaking to Anthony about that shortly. And then after that, we're going to be speaking out about the stories um, of the refugees. And we've got lots of work to do. So first up, before we get on to Anthony, please, if you could all introduce yourselves and give a little bit of a, an introduction about yourself. Um, hello, everyone. Um, my name is Mass and uh, I am a member of Justice for Refugee. Um, I came to Australia in 2013 and I am someone seeking asylum in Australia. Hello everyone, my name is Rakaya. Um, I'm from Justice Refugee. Um, I'm currently studying and I came by boat seeking asylum. Hello everyone, my name is Mohamed Degagli. I am also an Australian refugee. I am currently a student and just a human being seeking asylum from the Australian government. And next one. Oh, oh hi, uh, my name is Hassan. I am from Justice for Refugee. Uh, I came to Australia 2012. Anyone left? No. no. <laughs> oh, okay. So that's, that's wonderful and thank you so much. And as I said, we've got a lot to get through, but I'm just going to a quick announcement and then we will speak with Anthony and then get on with, with speaking to everybody else. Six years I've been in desert. Beyond the Bars is 3CR's annual prison project, giving voice to our Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander inmates right across Victoria. It's good to be here because uh, Aboriginal radio and um, you don't really get to do this much brings us all together. Time, you'll get your time to take that first step out that front door to freedom beyond these walls. Make sure and I just want to say thank you yours. to all What's of you cause? for What's giving us the opportunity to speak on air. The bigger the reason, the bigger the calling. Make your commitment and watch things unfold. And you can listen to audio from this year's broadcasts and previous years as well. Online at any time, just go to 3cr.org.au forward slash beyond the bars. But also while I'm here, I'd like to say thank you for all for coming, um, helping, giving us a chance to do this. It's really good, you know. It's been going for a while now. Hopefully, it goes, it keeps going. You know, like it's, it's good that we can do this and um, get our voice out there as prisoners. We can't blame everything on the external, so let's stop looking for it in the hands of the persecutor, because real power comes from here, and it comes from family. If you would like us to post you a free CD, contact the station on 03 9419 And you're back with the Doing Time show. And we've got Anthony. Um, hello, Anthony. Welcome to the program. Good afternoon, Marissa. It's lovely to have you. Just to let you know... We have a packed studio of um, some really amazing activists here who've formed um, a refugee group. It's called Justice for Refugees, right, guys? Yes. Yes. Yeah, and we're, they're going to talk a lot about a lot of stuff later. So I just wanted to Wonderful. introduce you to Anthony Kelly. And could you just give a little bit of an introduction briefly about yourself, Anthony, and how you want to be introduced? Yeah, sure. So, I, so I've been part of Melbourne Activist Legal Support for quite some time. I do police accountability work at... Um, at uh, the Flemington Kensington Community Legal Centre, and we run the Police Accountability Project. But, but uh, as a volunteer project, I'm part of this uh, 
group MELS, which has been around for eight years now, and it, um, one of its roles is to provide legal observer teams that monitors and uh, gathers evidence and reports upon police um, conduct at uh, protest events. Thanks, and, and we had a team of... Oh, sorry. That's right, go on. Yep. Oh, we had a team each day of the uh, IMARC conference uh, protests down at the Melbourne Convention Centre last week, and uh, we were, you know, recording and taking notes and reporting upon what was going on down there. Fantastic. And I'm sure that the information that you were reporting on was quite grisly. Could you just give us a little bit of background about the protest and what actually happened with the police? Yeah, sure. So it's it's long and complicated, of course. Uh, the protest itself was billed as a blockade, so it was an interventionist action, you know, it was um, designed to um, disrupt... Uh, the running of the International Mining and Resource Conference that was being held for climate justice uh, and, um, you know, against the extractive industries and for Indigenous rights around the world. So it had a very clear um, uh, premise that it was going to be disrupting and blockading and uh, police took a range of responses to that. And one of our observations, we're compiling our, our report at the moment, but one of the observations the legal observer made very early on the Tuesday morning when the blockade itself started was that it started off pretty much as a standard you know picket line in front of the in front of the building uh and it was really the police decision very early on to employ these sort of crowd surges um into the lines of people that were blockading uh that generated so much um chaos and um uh and you know disruption of the actual protest itself uh, very early on, they started arresting people, and some some of them for seemingly just being in organiser-type roles. Uh, and this is always of concern, of course, when when organisers are targeted. But uh, there were some very clear early examples where um, what we call snatch squads uh, would surge out from behind the police lines and grab someone, um, usually very roughly, and then haul them back behind police lines. And that happened to a few organisers for simply standing there at the front um, with a megaphone. Uh, and that's, um, yeah, that sort of tactic was very concerning. And that really set the scene for the next few days. Um, it generated a lot of, as you can imagine, um, anger and... Um, I hope that's uh, being reported. I hope that all the evidence is being reported there. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. So a lot of it's already been reported online. Um, it's only now that media are, are really, um, you know, the last day really and afterwards that the media are really starting to question some of the policing tactics uh, that were used but um, yeah really? it became very clearly early on that they, the police were really taking this um, um, quite a uh, interventionist approach but in a way that generated all these harms that were... It's, um, it's quite disgusting Anthony, it, it is absolutely disgusting that um, the police, um, I was reading that they were hiding their badges. Um, in fact, I was speaking to one of our um, female Aboriginal programmers who was actually pepper sprayed um, mm -hmm. at the protest and her eyes still hurt from that. And um, Maz, is it? Yeah. Yeah. Anthony, I'd like to introduce you to, to Maz. Um, and I'm sorry, I, I, know I, I, I know I'm interviewing about police brutality, but I'm wondering if I could just take the liberty of asking um, Maz to advertise the rally that um, Justice for Refugees is having. And then would you be able to just explain to, to the group here um, how how legal observers work in, in case they want to have them? Sure. Is that okay? Sure. Yeah, so Maz, did you want to just... Have you got notes of a flyer there? Um, yes. Uh, or is anybody else? Yes. Um, so on the 7th of um, December... It's going to be our rally about a family reunion and um, bringing like families together, and also uh, permanent protection visas, not TPVs, for people seeking asylum and refugees who came to Australia in 2013. And um, yeah, so we are calling on the government to end um, discrimination against us um, refugees um, who is living in Australian community, and we are about 30,000 people who are. Um, representing an Australian community. And where is the rally being held? Um, it is on a state library of Victoria at um, 2 p.m. 7th of December this year. And have you have you all of you heard about the legal observers that you could have legal observers there? 
Um, no. Well, we could obviously, I mean, you guys can talk to maybe Anthony later, but I thought it would yep. be really good for, yeah. for listeners and also for Anthony just to explain the role of the legal observer very briefly. Anthony, it's all, it's all right. We're not having a meeting or anything. I just, <laughs> feel, I just feel that listeners need to be educated and it would be really good to have a little bit of a conversation, wouldn't it? Don't you think, Anthony? Yeah, sure. Yeah, so can you just explain to listeners and also to the refugees in the studio about um, the crucial role that legal observers can play? Because you never know what can happen at this rally. Yeah, for sure. So, so, so legal observers are usually independent of uh, activist groups. We, we don't um, organise events ourselves. We just a, a, appear as an independent third party and usually upon invitation. Uh, but we're usually at protests where some sort of police intervention is anticipated, uh, and that's that's generally because police in Victoria take a, a, a spectrum of approaches to protests. You know, they might a range of approaches. They might take um, for a, a normal march or a rally through the street. They might, you know, they stop traffic and they ca- they um, cordon the roads and they facilitate the the march and the protest quite well. And we don't have any problem with that really. But there's only the problem eventuates if they um, start cordoning or or uh, blocking a street or um, using some form of negotiation to stop a protest going into a particular area or down a particular route um, that is unjustified. That places a limit on yeah. that protest's ability to you know walk down a particular street or assemble in a particular area. Um, so in most, the vast majority of cases, policing the protest is actually quite fine. Uh, it doesn't really, it just facilitates, it doesn't really yeah. uh, limit peaceful assembly. Uh, it's when uh, police decide to cordon or limit or use force of protests where um, concerns, um, you know, where things get problematic. And so you guys, observe, you, the legal observers, um, record that evidence and, and take photos where applicable? If yeah, that's right. Yeah, yep, okay. we wear these pink high-vis vests with legal observer on the back and we've got cameras and notebooks and we just record everything we possibly can and then generally we report about it afterwards. Um, that's all right. And, no. we also do, yeah. and we also do training and resourcing for groups as well. Fantastic. So that's something for you all to think about, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. definitely. Yeah. Yeah, because you, you never know what can happen. I mean, there have been quite a few protests where we don't have to, to worry about police, but we also have to worry about fascists. Um, and, and I'm not here to scare people, to scare you. Um, but, you know, I think it is important to, you know, to maybe take some precautions. So just one last question, Anthony, um, just in regard, getting back to the blockade here. So what was the, um, the vibe down there in terms of, I, I believe that, and I'm not trying to be mainstream media and emphasise the violence, I suppose what I'm trying to say is that police were not accountable to the protesters. They were not accountable to the community. And I'm, and I'm just wondering what's being done about that. Oh, that's really interesting. Yeah, there's definitely a, a lot of backfire that's come since. Um, so, the, so the police decided to use the horses, the mounted u- units against people who were refusing to move. And um, what that meant was People were injured very quickly. Riding police police horses into crowds is incredibly dangerous. There was a, and so there was a lot of arrests and uh, injuries as a result of that decision, that policing decision. And then there was also the use of capsicum spray. And the capsicum spray should only be used when there's a direct threat of violence against police officers. But it was used uh, basically uh, against people who weren't posing any threat at all. Uh, towards police and in some cases towards people who were like um, climbing up a pole or um, or moving away from police or on the ground with their hands up. Uh, a whole range of times it was totally un- unlawful um, to use those sort of chemical weapons against people and outside their own use of force guidelines. So, so for the people who were arrested and charged, um, they've got a range of options um, and Rob Starry's uh, is the law firm that's taking along those defences. They've got a lot of options to defend those charges in court and argue their case um, in court. For those people who were injured in any way, um, they've got the option now of making complaints formally to uh, either Victoria Police on their website or to the independent broad-based um, um, Committee Against Corruption, or IBAC. Uh, and then 
and they've also for those that were severely injured, or even those you know even those people that got capsicum sprayed, then they've got the option also of taking civil action against police. And um, this is something really important as well: is the people injured by horses or by capsicum spray or have, by having you know by batons or um, by police uh, force, physical force, um, can get advice from a solicitor. And this is something we'd, re- we'd recommend is either head to ourselves here at the Flemington Kensington Community Legal Centre or, or Robinson Gill lawyers um, who, have a, who have a specialist police misconduct um, unit as well and to get advice about whether they can take civil action. I and hope so. So that's something, yeah. That, that's good for uh, listeners that, to be aware of. And, and the other thing that um, is happening now is that uh, there's a lot of uh, media attention and online attention about a couple of police officers that um, uh, got a lot of attention because they were one was photographed with a, uh, an OK or potentially the white power symbol. Whether it was either way, it was quite concerning because the police officer involved had uh, white nationalist uh, memes on their Facebook page. White power. And then there was that's oh right. Yeah, God. using a, like a white power symbol. Um, and the other one was had a, an offensive um, sort of hand-drawn sticker on their on their um, body cam. So both of those um, got some media attention. But there's also going to be a, um, a protest against police violence in general on this Friday down at the Burke Street Mall at 5:30, uh, and that's for just basically it's a speak out against um, the sort of policing that we saw Good. outside the IMAC. So um, what's going to happen with Cop Watch? We've got to get Cop Watch happening again, Anthony. <laughs> well, there's a lot of people watching <laughs> cops, that's for sure. So you guys been involved here? No get a Cop Watch happening. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Anthony, go on. Yeah, so there's no shortage of people watching cops. Like, everybody does that really well, particularly at protests. Absolutely. Um, and, and protests, you know, we're, we're, we're relatively lucky when police abuse their powers at a protest scenario. Is There's often media, there's often a whole range of people with um, cameras Yes, uh, the yes. real dangers for people experiencing police misconduct, of course, is out on the streets and in the communities who um, experience really targeted or intensive or racialised um, policing exactly. and, uh, and use of force. And Flem Ken actually does a lot of work on racial profiling. So, Anthony, we're a bit pushed for time. Um, we've got a lot of work to get through. But, Anthony, I, I really wanted you to have you, have you on just to discuss all this. Can you just plug the, the thing on the Speak Out on Friday again, please? Sure. It's Friday at 530 uh, in the Burke Street Mall. Um, and, yeah, that's just a, that's a speak out against... Uh, it's called Defend the Right to Protest Climate Justice Now. Wonderful. Anthony, thank you so much for, for coming onto the program. Peter, do you have any comments? Thank you. No, I can't hear nothing. <laughs> you haven't got your headphones? No. OK. Thanks so much, Anthony. Thanks a lot. Thanks, thanks everyone. Bye thanks. for now. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you. And that was Anthony Kelly from um, Activist Legal Support. Speaking about police brutality, and um, Maz also gave a preliminary um, announcement of, of the of the rally. And Rob Starr is actually a great lawyer. In, actually, he he represented me. Um, I got arrested with about a hundred other people, Peter too, I think, um, for mm-hmm. forest blockading in East Gippsland and locking onto a bulldozer. So that was about <laughs> twenty years ago now. It's approximately four eighteen. Um, so let's let's get get um, organised with everybody. So who wants to start with with their story? Sure, I'll start. Um, hello again, <laughs> my name is Mohammed. I would like to thank for all the listeners that are listening to this issue. And we have some concern about what is happening to us. Firstly, I would like to say what this event means to us. This event, we are not fighting for anything else than just our basic human rights. We are just children, mothers and fathers who want their children to study and want to see their children. Nothing more than just having to reunite with their family. This is a basic right that we are denied by the Australian government, and we will fight. We will fight till we get our rights. This is something concerning and that the community should know about. And yeah, so just a little bit about my background. I came here when I was about eight years old, and I, tra- I migrated to Australia by Boyd, where I was kept in detention center for about six months in total in Christmas Island and in Darwin. And when I, when I first came in Melbourne, I was actually denied the right to study. Uh, when I went into language school, the first thing that they said to me is that, you cannot come here. What was I to think? Just a little child having, the right, having their right denied by a teacher? I did not have the right to study English. That's a basic right. What should I do? So I sat home, sat home for a while. 
until the call came that I was able to attend school. And the first thing in school that happened was a national test called the Naplan test. And I was also denied the right to complete this Naplan test for a reason that my English was not good. This is what our schools are teaching us. They are placing our children in a hierarchy. This should not happen. Our children should not be placed in a hierarchy. Aren't we being told every single day in our lives that we are all equal? Doesn't matter about our skin color, our visas, or our situation. We are all one and we are all human beings. However, I was denied the right to complete an upland test. A test that I have been studying for that has challenged my skills and abilities. So I stood, I fought every lunchtime I used to read a book. Until I went to the principal's office and I sat down and I said, Oh, I'm going to complete this test whether you like it or not. So she said, sure, fine, go sit. And thank God, after all, I did it and I, I was happy, really happy with the result I had. And this gave me hope. The hope that I can fight and to get my justice and right from this government that have they are abandoning my rights and my, all the 30,000 people just like me. Our children, they sleep at night with having the hope that what will happen when I finish grade 12? Will I go to university? Well, let me just tell you, the answer is definitely in no. We are denied the right to go to university. So what should I think as a student? Should I think that, oh, maybe one day I will go to university? No, I cannot think this with this government. They are abandoning me. They are giving my hopes to go down and down into a spiral. But I will fight. I will fight until this right and justice is gained from the Australian government. See, there's no edu you can't get an education. I cannot get in, in a basic bachelor education because I am denied to enter university with the current visa that I have. Are you quite sure about that? Have you sought legal advice? I have sought legal advice and the only options for me are to get a full scholarship or to pay it. And how can I pay it if my ASRC is being cut for five years? My dad right now, he has a work injury and he has not been for three months. So my mom has to work f full time just so she could pay my bills. And then she has to pay for my university. She cannot do that. You know, one of these days, very soon, it'll be really good for you all to come back to the studio and I'm going to have someone from the Asylum Seeker Resource Centre to Thank have you. a chat with us. Thank you very much. And we're on air. We will um, have them answer all your questions and try and get people some help. Thank you. And, Thank and you maybe, very much. maybe in a couple of weeks we can do that. Thank you. Yeah. All right. Um, next one. Um, hello. My name is Rakaya, as I said before. Um, as I said, I came to Australia with my family when I was eight years old. And uh, we came after 13, 12. And we were sent forcefully to Manus Island. And my family was the only Iraqi family that was forced to get sent to Manus Island in the detention centre there. The conditions there were really bad. And I stayed, uh, family, my family stayed there for about seven months. I think and I was um, I was sick and I got separated from my mo uh, my brother and dad just to get my to go see a specialist to Australia I got sent with my mum and I s they said that I had to wait until I get my treatment but then they sent me to another doctor where he said I was fine and there was nothing wrong with me and I can go back to Manus Island, me and my mum. If we refuse, they said that we will not see my brother or dad if we stay in Adelaide. So right now, we've uh, since then, we st like stayed about a year and a half in detention centre going around until 2014. We finally got put in uh, the community, but we, were, we had no rights to study or work. My brother was, I missed, me and my brother missed two years of schooling. Uh, when we came out, my brother was about 18 years old and he was pleading to get into high school just to finish his high school, but he was not allowed until finally they got him into high school where he was badly treated or like racism or something by teachers against him being at school and how you know how it would feel for being yeah. the only kid at school who is older than everyone else and he had to study year 12 twice because he couldn't get into university because he wasn't not allowed because of our visa and then we applied for temporary protection visa, but we were not allowed. We got a refusal, first refusal, and then we were sent to the IAA yeah. uh, for another, like, to see our case again. 
but then we were refused again and you ha- you get the feeling that they didn't even look at the case because it, we get we got the um the result back like a few days after Christmas or New Year and they're like, oh, you've been refused again. After being refused, now my family, had, uh, the RSS payments have been cut and there's a lot of people like us who have uh, um, um, got their, uh, temp- like, seeking asylum refused and... Um, it's really hard for the families here, even their Medicare being yeah. cut for us. So you're in limbo. You, you don't quite know. Yeah, you never... All of you are, really, yeah, aren't you? Yeah, we never yeah. settle down. We come here from countries that are war, poverty. Right now, Iraq is full of uh, protest. And, like, you see 20-year-old uh, man, uh, boys getting killed in literally yeah. hit by guns. But I think here in Australia, they just kill us slowly and slowly mentally while... Um, I don't think it's like humanity. It's not no, it human, isn't. yeah. And you're 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 not going to be killed, yeah, because um you're going to fight for what you want. Yeah, we are it. fighting to get our rights and humanity. And you're you're pretty young, aren't you? How yeah, you? yeah. I'm yeah. about sixteen, and I'm studying year ten, and I'm worried about when I finish high school because I don't know if I can get into uh, university. I want to study and become something that I can comp- contribute to this society. But I don't think the government is letting us to do just that basic right. I think, you know, what I feel has is happening here is that some of the things that people are talking about, and, and Hassan, I think you've brought quite a few people in here mm-hmm. um, over the last couple of weeks. And I think what's important is that there are services out there, there's very few services, but people don't know about it. Yep. Do you, do you know what I'm saying? So mm. we need to somehow connect people to the right service. Yeah, we yeah. just want people to stand on our side and see that there's things, because maybe a lot of people might not know about refugees and how they live because right. we are all parents and children and families who have families are separated who haven't seen their families because we're not allowed to travel or have any rights to study or work. So it's really hard for us. We just want to ask the community or Australian people to stand on our side and come to the rally with us on 7th of December at 2pm at the uh, Victoria State Library. Thank you. Well, I'm so glad that um, that, that people are organising. It's, it's really fantastic to see. And someone else who hasn't had a turn? Um, yeah. Um, Your I- name? Mass. Mass, I'm mass. Right. Yep. Um, yeah, so um, in regards to what Mohammed said, um, that we cannot study, like we cannot go to university, he is right. So what they say is, like, uh, they count us as international students and um, their fee for international student is pretty, you know, it's a massive fee. You're not, you're not going to pay like 10000 You have to pay more than 40000 for a course, maybe more than that. And, you know, it's very hard for us that um, some of us don't have the right to study, don't have the right to work. And, like, when you don't have the right to work, how are you going to pay for your um, studying, you know? And uh, when we want to get a job, they say to us, like, um, you you don't have the qualification to work. And, you know, we are staying in the middle of something that says, like, you have to work and you can't work. And we don't know what to do. So um, there are people that have been rejected also that I was going to talk about that this is a very hard situation as well. So they reject you once, like me and my family, they rejected us once and again the second time. Um, With me, I haven't got SRSS payment for more than three years now. So I can't say about SRSS, but there are many people who have like disabilities. There was a man like a few weeks ago that we met um, he was a full disability. He couldn't walk properly. He couldn't, um, like, you know, he could only speak. He couldn't move his hand properly. And, like, you know, it's very hard for him to not get any payments. Like, how can he work? I want Australian government to come see him and say, like, as a human being, not, not as a doctor only, how can he work when he cannot walk properly? He can only yeah. speak, you know? Um it's a very hard situation for many people. You know, it's 30,000 people. We might say like 10,000 are fine, okay? They are like 
fine human being. But the, more than like 20,000, they have this mental issue that they are suffering from what they've been through. And it's a very hard situation. Like we all been through it and um, we are trying to fight for our rights. And we are asking all Australian community to stay um, with us and stand up to say justice for refugees and people seeking asylum because we are suffering like if you just think about like a human being this is not what a human being have to be through that's right yeah yeah Yeah. because because it's a it's it's actually a a violation of human rights and the doing time show is is a show that provides a safe environment for people such as yourselves refugees to come in and talk about What's going on? Yeah. And Mohammed, is it? Yeah, yeah. I'm just sorry. Yep. So um, I won't look at you because otherwise it won't come out of the microphone. But, <laughs> 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 but yeah, do you have anything to say? Um, all I have to say is that we really need the encouragement of our MPs. We need the encouragement and the help of our MPs to come and say that this issue is happening in our land, in our country, and it needs to be raised. And I, I think the point is that we're trying to, the message that we're trying to get across in this, um, in this conversation is that most of the people in our community don't know about our issue and don't know that people like us are facing these challenging times and these uh, situations. And our local MPs are really uh, uh, the voice. They are our voice and they are the people who represent us. And I, in my opinion that if we do have our, really, our MPs on our side, we can really get our message across to all the Australian community. And this is really important. And what we are trying to do is just to stand up because there are really people, we are, we're not, we are very voiceless. And with our we are local MPs, we can really have a voice and a say in our community. Because with our yeah. visa situation, we can't really do anything. Well, you know, is our government sane? That's what we need to ask. Yeah, that's true. I mean, yeah, it's good what you're saying, but the coalition government, um, the Morrison government, is very unwelcoming towards refugees. Yeah. yeah. And what do we do about that? You're actually, you're absolutely correct, though, that we do need to work within the system. It is a rotten system. It is mm-hmm. a broken system. Mm-hmm. And, but I, I just also wanted to ask, um, just to clarify, just one by one, if you could just um, say what detention centres you've been in. Um, I've been in Christmas Island. I've been all, in all detention centres for the um, time that I've been there. And after that, they transferred me to Adelaide Detention. And that's Maz? Yes, Maz. Um, yeah, I've been to Menace Island. Uh, first, I entered Christmas Island, then Menace Island, and then back to Christmas and went around in Darwin, Adelaide, back to Christmas into a detention centre that was already closed down where they put all the people from Menace Island there. And, and then they finally got people in who came by boat, but they, we were treated badly they're like show they made us as like oh see they from manners look they look like criminals or something like that so i've been through a lot and then finally i got into melbourne's uh, detention center and then yeah and then i'll put in the community and you're still alive and you're here yep <laughs> still going through it you're strong we survived yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's amazing what the human body can can put up with you know yeah yeah it's it's incredible yeah because a lot of people going through this situation are um they get depression anxiety my parents uh or other people are there's a lot of people who are asylum seekers who have mental issues who have to see psychologists who um have to take medications for depression and anxiety what for for this government not giving us the right for humans that's exactly right and uh, yeah, um, I've been in uh, detention, all detention centres yep. um, in uh, Christmas Island, and also been in the Darwin detention centre, where I was kept for approximately three months. Um, there was medical care, but we did not really have any sort of medical care towards us. It was just basic medical care, such as uh, vaccinations. But if you really did, we did not uh, have any treatment of any sort. And also, many pe- just like uh, Raya said, many people do face uh, with um, anxiety and depression through these times because uh, it is a very severe emotional period for these people. 
for them not having to be able to see their families for a lot of years, just like my, uh, myself, I haven't been able to see my sister for approximately seven years now. And what's my answer to that? And just because of this, my mom is facing from severe depression and anxiety because, of course, she has this is her child that she has not seen for seven years. And we need people who need to put themselves in our shoes and look at it from their perspectives. You're absolutely right. And it's, it's, it's good that you're able... Because not everybody is happy to talk on radio. Yeah. yeah. You know, I, I interview... I want to interview some people, not just refugees, but no, not coming. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Maybe some people are sometimes they are scared to talk as well. Yeah. 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 Well, yeah, we're not scared anymore because we have to fight for our rights. Yeah. Yep. We can't stand this anymore. Actually, uh, sorry, just I'm going to add Hassan? this. Yep. Um, you said you tried to enter some people, like, but they're not coming. Actually, when we came here in 2012, um, what happened is when they give our the visa 050, there's no right to study or work. After that, two years, we um, they leave us without any study and work. But what happened after two years, the new um, system is calling fast track. So before they give our this um, new visa, uh, what they said for us, you have to sign from the behavior. So this is behavior. If you even like um, bust the traffic light or whatever, we're going to send you back for the de oh, yeah. detention center. Yeah, that is this true. is if you remember like for the early yes. um, the situation. So if you have any problem, we're going to send you even the traffic light fine. We're going to send you for the detention center. So I speak from the 30,000 people, they're refugee, they're seeking asylum and they come from their country and they're scared to go back and they die. And they, they think like this is not, um, um, you know, like it's not legal to um, protest that but uh, I can say it's everything is legal and in the beginning you guys talking about the police and you know uh, from our next protest is everything's approved from the state library I get the approved and I get um, you know I contact the police as well and they um, they're gonna be like there as well so we're doing everything um, actually protest if even like not rally it's protest we're just gonna say for people we need our family from that's right um you know we need like family reunion you know it's everyone for this christmas is going to be with the family excepting the um, the refugee so just we need the fair treatment and yeah don't be shocked if uh, someone you call someone and they not come because they're scared to go back for the teacher center that's exactly right and i think that there's you know that that can be really difficult so i'm hoping that people do turn up to this rally on the 7th of December at what two, time? Two, two o'clock. Two o'clock at, yeah. at the State Library. And can can one of you just um, read out the demands again for that rally or protest? Um, okay, so for the protest, our message that we want to get across is um, we want permanent protection visa, not TPVs, allow family reunion rights and fair processing for asylum claims. Because we are 30,000 people. We're not a small number. We're not about like hundreds or 200 people. We are 30,000 people who are representing in Australian community that we want our rights. Like um, there was something that I wanted to talk about as well. There are people who does not have their visas as well. Like they've been given visas that's, ha that's been for like six months. And after that, they... Um, they want to apply for a visa again, but Australian government says, no, sit down and wait for us. We'll, you, you will hear back from us. But the, like I know more than 200 people, myself, that um, they have not been heard anything from the government. Government have not been, have, haven't said anything to them about that and they don't have any visa. You know, it's hard to live yeah. without a visa and like they don't have any IMI card, IMI card been expired, um, their Medicare been expired and they go to, um, like they go, go to Centrelink and they say, you have to wait for your visa to come. Otherwise we, we're not allowed to give you Medicare. But how do they get, how are they in the community without a visa? I don't understand. Um, you have to ask Australian government. Yeah. We don't know the reason as but well. But is that true? Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. What do you like mean? That. I don't get it. Um, like we've been, um, like uh, my partner, he doesn't have a visa as well. We went to... Be careful um, what you're saying on air. 
Oh, yeah. Okay, no. is, is this, um, does a lawyer know this? Um, yes. Okay, yes. That's all right. Lawyer knows this. <laughs> we talked to the okay. lawyer. So it's Even, public knowledge. Yes. Okay. And um, we went to immigration department of Victoria. Okay. Yeah. Yep. We went there and we um, like complete the form. We gave it to um, the lady and he's, she said, um, uh, you have to wait until the minister get back to you. Okay. And I was surprised. I just asked, what do you mean? Like, why do we have to wait? Like, we want to apply for a visa. And she said, no, sorry, you can't. And, you know, the way the, she talked to me was really scary as well. So I thought, even I, if I don't get out of there, they're going to get me back to detention. I you see. know, the, the way yeah, she yeah. talks and stuff. She got so me you're scared. saying that he, he people are slipping through the cracks? Yes. Basically, yeah. Like, um, and I don't have the exact data, but I'm sure there are more than thousand people <coughs> in the same situation. <coughs> yeah, I'm bless sorry, you. we don't have money <laughs> to have hold buttons here. This is not through AW, but... <laughs> <laughs> True. <laughs> uh, anyway. Uh, first, bless you. And actually, last time, mm. um, I think Peter Dotson, he said that 8,500 people they reject already and they want they to put them like the Tamil family. So yeah. this is like the numbers from the government, it's not from us. So more than 30% uh, from the people, they reject it. So when they reject someone, same the Ruqayya uh, family, what they do, uh, they cut their salary, uh, you know, and they take them into care and they take the health card. Yeah. So limbo. Th- yes, yeah. it's yeah. limbo. Yeah. And seriously, like, it's very, very hard for people mm-hmm. to live with this it, it is very, without very hard. any work yeah. and without, you know, yeah. it's, it's very hard. It's approximately 4.41 and you're listening to the Do and Time show and in case listeners have just tuned in, we're um, doing some interviews and stories with refugees. Now, just to give listeners a bit of a break, um, I'm just going to play a song. It's called Permanent Revolution and we'll be back in a couple of minutes. Is it true? 
And you're back with the Doing Time show. And we were just discussing off air a couple of things that people wanted to talk about. But before that, I'll just announce the song. It's called Permanent Revolution and it's called Is It True? And it's about people, um, when people fight against each other and they, they are divided. And it's true, we all have to unite and help one another, which really is lacking in a lot of activist circles, to be honest. Forget I said that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, um, so... Who wants to talk about another event? Um, yes, uh, I'm Mass again. <laughs> yeah. um, so I was going to also talk about um, this event that's only for teachers and um, teacher aides who are in the school, like a school environment, because it's been um, up um, with Education Union. And um, the event's called Standing Up for Refugees in Our Schools. Because, like, you know, there are a lot of students in the school who need um, support from their teachers, like Rukaya, like Mohammed, and, like, lots of other um, refugees and asylum seekers in the um, uh, school community. So we have organized this event on 26th of November at 6.30 p.m. For all the teachers to come along, it's a Tuesday and also it's in Melbourne's Multicultural Hub. I'm asking all the teachers and um, integrate teachers to come along and um, meet all our um, beautiful people, beautiful um, students. And uh, I'm also a teacher aide and I'm going to be there on the day and um, talk about our story um, more openly and say everything on the day. And we will have also the manager of um, Education Union there with us. Um, his name's Justin. He's going to be talking as well. And uh, I will be pleased if I see any teacher on the day. Have you spoken to the Refugee Action Collective about this? Because there's a lot of teachers. Um, yes, um, they are aware of that. And also Teachers for Refugees, they're all aware of that. And they are the one who organised the event um, with uh, Justice for Refugees. So tell me more, tell, can you tell listeners more about um, Justice for Refugees? You're all a part of this group. Is it a relatively new group? Um, yes, uh, we have um, established our group in um, August um, 2019. We seem like a new group, but we've been working from 2015 to now. Um on my side, I've just um, joined. Me, Mohammed Rogayev, we just joined, but Hassan been organizing all the rallies and protests from 2015 to now um, with other activists. And um, uh, we are representing 30,000 people in Australian community who came to Australia in 2012 and 2013 by boat. And um, we're all seeking asylum. When I say we, because I'm uh, part of it as well. And um, we are people seeking asylum who've been rejected or refused protection under the unfair fast track um, system. So fast track is um, what uh, Australian government has um, been um, appealed after 2014. Um, they bring up this um, policy which... Um, is saying all the people who are um, refugees and asylum seekers under CHEV, TPVs and um, bridging visa, we cannot apply for any uh, permanent uh, protection visa in Australia. If uh, we have any children who are born in Australia, they don't have the right to be um, permanent or even um, citizenship. They can't get that. Um, if we um, are uh, married to someone who is uh, an Australian citizen, we cannot apply for any spouse visa, like any married visa to get like a permanent or citizen. We can't go for that. And also, like there are lots of people who been who are under bridging visa who have not heard about about an interview, like to go talk about their visa or like apply for a new visa. And, yeah, we are representing these 30,000 people and um, also we've had enough. So we thought of um, this time we will stand up. We will have our own organisation. This organisation been held, like, we all um, refugees and asylum seekers who are working on the organisation as well. And um, it's we're all working as volunteering. It's very 
you know, it's very impressive to see all the refugees wanting to help themselves and people who are like them. And we are calling on the government to end law that discriminates against people seeking asylum living in Australian community. And um, we want a fair and safe um, refugee assessment procedure. We want Australian government to provide permanent protection visas because we had enough, you know. We are people living in an Australian community. We haven't seen our families for more than um, seven years now. Like, we had enough. Like, there are people who haven't seen their kids for more than seven years. You know, as a mother, it's very hard to not see your kids for seven years. As Mohammed just mentioned before, his mother haven't seen um, the sister yes, for a long time. that would be awful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah. all we want is family reunion rights and permanent protection we want permanency in australia that's the biggest thing we want the smallest thing we want yeah, before this christmas before yeah. the christmas we want to be reassured that we do have a piece of belonging in this community and that all our hard work and dedication in this community has not been going to waste it actually has it, it does mean something to the community and to the government well, that's that's very true, and and in fact, I mean, have you organised speakers for the rally yet, or is that something you'll do um, further down the track? Yeah, we do have some speakers who's going to speak at the rally, and also I want to say, um, for children who are born in Australia, personally, I have a sister who was born here, and now she's just five, and even though they have, uh, she's sick and she would need uh, medical attention and we have to buy things that specifically need for her help and you see if you have a child here and he see if they go to prep or kinder and they see their friends having things that and then they want but you see their RSS payments are cut so well what's the point like you see a a child who was born here you you know like he is like they don't either belong to Australia or the country they come from. That's right. So they're just like they have no identity basically. That's how I feel. And that is not fair for the kids here. It's it's really not fair and you could actually say that Australia is in some ways a concentration camp. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Um, like Oh sorry, is yep. it Muhammad there? Yeah, Muhammad. Oh, Muhammad. Well, you for me, you everyone's welcome here. Yep. Thank um, you. Yep. And Marissa, I'm sure you agree. Yeah, I mean, yeah, we agree with it. Australian people are very beautiful people. They're really nice. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. it's just the law and the government. That's right. And how they're pressuring us to, uh, like, they push us to ends where, you know, we can't handle it anymore. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of people who are pushed to the edge where they commit suicide because they can't see their families or they have going through depression because of emotional state. So this is not fair. We just want the MPs to stand out on our side and people mm. of the community to see how refugees are living. We're all like human beings, you know. Can you? Refugees can't vote, can they? No, no they we can't. can't. No. Especially, I was actually going to bring up this um, <laughs> yeah. question: is that uh, aren't we all a part of this democracy? We all should have a saying and a right. For example, people who do turn eighteen believe that they, if they are a part of this democracy, then why shouldn't they have the right to vote? This is our right, and we should be able to choose our government and our government that will support us. I know that many of my friends who have turned over 18 say that, you know, actually what? Till this day, I feel that I still have not belonged in this government. They said that to me, maybe I thought when I turned 18, I will have the right to vote and feel like that I do contribute to this community and contribute to, to who our government will be, deciding that... But until now, they are still very disappointed that they are not a part of this democracy. What democracy? But yeah. <laughs> yeah. True. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's approximately 4.53. And as Peter so helpfully pointed out, yeah. we have uh, six minutes left of, of our show. Mm-hmm. So we've got Beyond Zero coming up next. And uh, they're coming up soon. But in the meantime, I wanted to, Peter and I wanted to thank you all on behalf of the Do and Time show for coming in. Yeah, no problem. We appreciate for you having yeah. us here. And True. I'm hoping that, you know, we can we can make this a, a regular event. And, yeah. and I know that uh, the last couple of months we've been doing a lot of work on refugees. We're certainly not neglecting yeah. our other topics, but yeah. 
this has become a, a crisis. It's a really, yeah, yeah. it's a national disgrace. Mm-hmm. It really Most definitely, is yeah. a national disgrace, the way refugees are treated. Mm-hmm. And um, in particular, I wanted to just alert listeners to the fact that there's also some rallies coming up, national rallies in regards to the government wanting to repeal the Medivac bill for yeah. people in detention. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, anyway, so we'll, we'll talk about that. Um, any final comments? Well, basically, we just want um, uh, people to stand on our side. Yep. We don't want anything. We just want to settle down yep. as families, get reunion before this Christmas. That's it. We, d- we don't ask for much. We want um, uh, permanent protection visas. Because even though I was in Menace, they said, when you're going to leave Menace, you're going to get protection Temporary protect, uh, permanent visas, yeah. but we were lied to. Even though when we came out of detention centres, we were given subclass zero five zero visas, where you just feel like you came out from a small detention centre into a bigger one because they had to. We have to call them every time we move, like every month, if we want to travel around in Australia. It's like being. I don't know, like criminals, like they have to go after us seeing where we go, what we do, and we have to, they see, like they monitor us, basically. Well, you know what, an injury to one is an injury to all, and believe me, um, there's, this is going to become like America now where, where everybody's going to be monitored. Yeah. And it's, it's already happening now. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. We've got one minute left yep. um, of, of this show, yep. so it's goodbye from everybody. Goodbye from Marissa. Thank you so much. You have a lovely day. I would uh, just like to say that uh, for any listeners that would like to hear more about our stories and the challenges that we face, please visit our Facebook page, Justice for Refugee Victoria. We would like all listeners to please make a contribution also to our rally on the 7th of December. Please attend and please make a contribution because after all, we are people and we have some humanity in our current and we would like us and every single person to be a part of our justice community. And just like they say, a drop after a drop fills the cup. So one person can bring two and two can bring three. This is what's going to make contribute this community and make it a great better. Yep. You know, you guys have made me feel so much better. <laughs> it's wonderful Thank to you. see yep. to see you all fighting for your rights. I am. Thank you. Thanks, thanks so much. All the listeners who listen to our us. stories. Thank you. Yep. Take care and stay strong. Yep. Thank you very much. It does.